1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
0: Numbers and facts from Bitmain's IPO filing. The mining giant is doing well despite the bear market. Good evening, I'm Pete Rizzo, and this is Late Confirmation from Coindesk, bringing you the top stories from September 27th, 2018. On today's show, the SEC delayed its decision on a Bitcoin ETF once again. Now what? Not everyone is enthusiastic about enterprise blockchain. Angus champion Chris Crispigny, a former employee of EY, is definitely not. A little later in the show, we'll be talking to Jalak Jobanputra, founder and managing partner of Future Perfect Ventures, will share her perspective on blockchain's progress in the developing world and advancing women's participation in the industry.
1: I think there's going to be new crypto asset infrastructure that's built. So in our second fund, about half of our investments so far have been around how do we build the new financial infrastructure for this this new asset class.
0: But first, a word from our sponsor.
2: Master financial technology online with the 10-week Oxford FinTech program. Interacting with an international cohort of business leaders and over 60 guest experts, you'll gain a practical introduction to key financial technologies and their business applications. Find out more at oxfordexecfintech.com.
0: Bitmain's draft ICO Prospectus was published on Wednesday, and it was anything but a quick read. Revealing the inner workings of the Chinese mining giant... The 438-page document gives detailed information about the company's sales and profitability going all the way back to 2015. As you can imagine, the details are illuminating. Bitmain's sales grew an astonishing 328% since 2015, reaching $2.5 billion in 2017. Profits for the first half of 2018 have already exceeded $950 million. Notably, the bulk of Bitmain's revenue has consistently come from selling mining hardware. As for the costs and expenses, Bitmain is now spending more on materials and manufacturing costs, spending $1.5 billion on that so far in 2018. Bitmain's own cryptocurrency holdings are also impressive. At the end of June, Bitmain held $886 million worth of Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ether, Litecoin, Dash, and other crypto assets, more than twice what it held in fiat. Notably absent is how much funds are held in each asset, which is likely to fuel online conspiracies for some time to come. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission delayed their decision on Bitcoin ETF for the second time. Last week, the SEC announced that the proposal filed by Options Exchange CBOE in partnership with VanEck and SolidX will get its verdict on December 29th. However, VanEck and SolidX still believe their proposal has a chance to be approved. According to Gabor Grubex, the director of digital asset strategy for Vanek, the delay was entirely expected and didn't discourage the firm from pursuing approval. Solidex also confirmed to Coindesk that it's optimistic. Unlike other ETF proposals recently rejected by the SEC, the Vanek and SolidX Bitcoin ETF stipulates that the fund hold a repository of Bitcoins rather than of Bitcoin derivatives. So for now, it's the only physically backed Bitcoin ETF proposal waiting for the SEC's judgment. Angus Champion de Crispigny, An advisor to various startups and a former employee of EY offered a pessimistic look at enterprise blockchains in an op-ed on Coindesk today. His main point? Blockchains shouldn't be used where a distributed database can be. Blockchains are designed to prevent central governance, he argues, but by sacrificing the administrator, a blockchain will require more disk space, as each node stores all the data. Any changes that may be made will take an unprecedentedly long time as each individual node updates. He points out that the fallacy of companies who establish a central party to govern their blockchain with a client, the entire point of blockchain is no central authority, he reminds. As a conclusion, Dick Crispigny reminds companies not to be led by the hype. The benefits of a technology should never be assumed based on buzzwords, hype, or the fear that, quote, everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't I, end quote. This week, Mark Hochstein, managing editor at CoinDesk, spoke to Jalak Jobanputra, founder and managing partner of Future Perfect Ventures. Let's listen to her perspective on blockchain's progress in the developing world and advancing women's participation in the industry.
3: This is Mark Hockstein with Coindesk. I am at the Concordia Annual Summit in New York City today, and I'm joined now by Jalik Jovanputra of Future Perfect Ventures. Thank you for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
3: You were an early investor in developing world applications of blockchain and Bitcoin. At this stage, do you think we're any closer to the dream of Using this technology to improve financial in- inclusion.
1: I do. Um, I was an early investor in BitPesa, um, and if I look at the growth that they've seen uh, over the last uh, three, four years, it, it's it's significant. Uh, not and that they're it... they're doing
3: business in Africa.
1: Yes, yes. So they're um, they start off in Nairobi. Their uh, uh, now biggest market in, in Africa is Nigeria. They're doing a lot of B two B. Uh, uh, transactions, because right now it can cost up to 20% of a transaction uh, to send money from one African country to another, just because of the number of banks and currencies that transaction has to go through. There's no one direct way to send it. They're going
3: um, through correspondent banks, Yes. and uh, they're transferring from one currency to another, to another, to yes. another.
1: Yes. So that, that all adds up fees. Um, and so they start off using the Bitcoin blockchain to do that conversion. They're seeing all sorts of different business opportunities. So it's, it's two to,
3: conversions instead of more than two.
1: Yes, exactly. Or it could remain in Bitcoin if that's what uh, the recipient wants um, wants to happen. Um, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs around the world have seen that example and have been inspired by it. And I'm looking at deals... Um, in India in the Philippines uh, all over Latin America um, and uh, you know, there have been so many pain points in, in these countries that we just don't see here I was born in Nairobi I've spent a lot of time in the emerging markets which is one of the reasons I think I saw the opportunity around um, the the transaction element of a of, uh, of Bitcoin at the time um, but but what's happened is, is seeing some of these examples has ignited the imagination of entrepreneurs in the U.S. as well as around the world. And we're seeing different lending mechanisms, uh, different models around uh, using crypto uh, and, and vouching for uh, credit history and all sorts of things starting to blossom. So I actually think we're going to see the emerging markets uh, uh, prove out some of these business models around crypto and blockchain before we see the developed world do that.
3: Kind of like with uh, mobile phones, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and Kenya was ground ground zero for that. But there are lots of other examples. Telemedicine is one that I was investing in Africa and India well before we saw some of these models come to the U.S.
3: So you've been an outspoken advocate for advancing the participation of women in the blockchain industry. Are, are we making progress on that front? And, and where do you think the biggest challenges are right now?
1: Well, when I went to my first uh, industry uh, Bitcoin conference in 2013, I I met one other woman there. Um, But I actually felt very welcomed by uh, the community, and it was mainly developers. Um, They were just so excited about the technology and the promise of the technology, and they really welcomed anybody who was interested or just as passionate about it as they were. Um, And I've always been in male-dominated Careers. I was an investment banker. I've been a VC since for 20 years. So, um, but but what I I still thought it was a problem that uh, there wasn't more diversity um, in in that audience um, because we we've seen what happened with the internet, right? It was it was really one demographic funding the industry, one demographic primarily building the industry. I sat on many boards over the years as as the only woman, and I knew. If we had more diversity at the table, different business models would have probably been explored. Different voices would have actually been given equal say. So I've seen this happen over and over again, and I um, really uh, view it as, as, as part of my mission um to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again, and that this technology has so much promise, but it can only fulfill its promise if we have people all over the world of every ethnicity, uh, gender, um, affiliation, get engaged. And that's the only way we're going to build businesses that are truly the global leaders of the future. Um, so I've started several organizations um, to, to foster uh, diversity and inclusion, including um, Making sure companies recruiting uh, uh, know of, of all the different candidates that are out there. Um, giving voice to other women um, I often will not participate in a conference unless um, someone I you know recommend uh, comes along who may not be as, as well known in the sector um, I have uh, out of pocket personally uh, sponsored uh, younger women to go to hackathons um, to have more representation there and just do a lot of mentoring because um, I, I don't want to see anyone left out of this just because they don't feel like they're Welcome, and and that I certainly felt very welcome at that first conference, and I want everyone else to make sure. That de- de- do you do you
3: that that welcoming sort of atmosphere has that changed?
1: Yeah, I, look, you hear about stories uh, of of uh, conferences where there are after parties at strip clubs and. Um, I, I think in this day and age um, there's an awareness that not everyone is comfortable with that, including you know a lot of men <laughs> and 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 that's not the environment they want to do business in so I, I think taking into account who do you want in in, in your audience participating and um, you know what what's going to be appealing to them and and um, so I yeah I, I just want to make sure that I see when I look at an audience when I'm speaking somewhere that I see a, a diverse crowd in front of me um, and um, I do think this is an exciting time to get engaged because you can really influence the future of the sector um, and and it's also up to everyone to to you know, make sure that they make themselves heard or present, um, but I don't want them to later feel you know harassed if they if they showed up somewhere.
3: Getting down to brass tacks here, what do you think is the biggest opportunity in blockchain business models right now?
1: Gosh. Um, just feel like i throw a dart and there's opportunity this is very much the way i felt um, in 19 uh i don't know 1997 or 1998 um out in silicon valley um you know so much needed to be built out you needed to build out um, data analytics for websites you uh, broadband infrastructure um, and and so i feel the same way now uh the same caution holds right now as it did back then which is you have to be concerned about timing and uh, you can't have DApps without the right infrastructure or without the user interfaces that will encourage adoption um, and often you know people in in the crypto world get so enamored with the technology or all of its potential without you know stepping out into the real world and realizing a lot of things function really well you have to give people a reason to use them um, and that's why i think we're seeing a lot of really interesting enterprise projects because there are specific pain points that this technology can address. Um, but I, um, I'm i interested in everything from infrastructure, um, including you know alternative protocols that may target certain use cases that are not being addressed right now, all the way to middleware to um, foster interoperability of blockchains, to first-generation applications. I mean, I, I view BitPesa as uh, a first generation application, so maybe a second generation application, but that was a, a very targeted use case that made sense for its market, and and they're now dominating there, um, and and so that's what I really look for. Um, uh, the exchange model is certainly going through um, growing pains. Um, it's it's an area I'd stayed away from uh, in, in the first fund because of. Uh, the concern around regulation, which we're now seeing uh, happen, but I think there's going to be new crypto asset infrastructure that's built. So in our second fund, about half of our investments so far have been around how do we build the new financial infrastructure for this this new asset class.
3: So are you interested in stable coins at all?
1: Um, I am. I am. I, I think, um, you know, whether or not you believe that they should exist in the long term, um, I, I think given the volatility in today's markets, um, I, I think they can really help foster adoption. I think it's still a question mark on which models and mechanisms are going to be the ones that actually succeed. Uh, but I love the experimentation and, and, and the amount of uh, talent and, and intellect that's going into that space. Well, thank
3: you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts. This has been great.
2: Late Confirmation is brought to you by Oxford University's Said Business School. You can now study fintech entirely online with Oxford University's Said Business School. The 10-week program gives you the tools you need to build the future of transactions and commerce. You'll explore emerging technologies that will disrupt marketplaces and financial services and examine the state of the industry and plan disruptive intra- and entrepreneurial interventions. Throughout the program, you'll be exposed to key ideas, principles, and frameworks from CEOs of leading startups, corporate leaders, and instructional leaders at the forefront of research in the space of future commerce and transactions. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com.
0: For more on today's stories and to subscribe to our newsletter, check out coindesk.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coindesk. Plus, if you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Coindesk, I'm Pete Rizzo, and this has been Late Confirmation.